It's time now for Your Money, brought to you by Jim Young Wealth Advisors, a family business, helping you with a work-optional lifestyle. And uh, here is the CEO, Leo DiPrilli. Hi, Leo. Good morning, Dan. How are you today? I am good. Thank you very much. And um, interesting on the football, uh, I guess um, there's also another game out there that is scheduled. It's between, um, oh golly, Austin P and Cincinnati. So uh, people will be uh, searching for college football, I think, more so than pros. You know, I, I miss this time of year, Dan, that we would normally be talking YSU football right now, getting ready for our tailgate events. And, you know, we make those an event. Yep. It's going to be strange not having those this year. I'm like you. I'll watch whatever's on TV just to get some of my football fix in. Yeah, yeah. Um, went out, had a little dinner on Saturday night, and uh, we were able to sit outside, which uh, is kind of nice. But we haven't really sat inside for dining. I think we've been out twice since this pandemic started. And, uh, you know, it's always been outside. But, uh, um, you know, that's we're, we're, we're certainly going to miss a lot of that. Let's hope that we get this vaccine sooner than later. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you got it. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the word insurance today and uh, start talking a little bit about uh, whether you need it. And uh, we're focusing a little bit with your money on our program this morning about life insurance and whether or not you need it. And, uh, Leo, you say that that's the first part of this is determine whether you actually need life insurance. Well, commonly, um, I can remember when I first started my career after the military the first person you hear from is the local insurance agent who wants to uh, sit down and talk with you and you have no i mean absolutely no interest in talking about life insurance and sometimes you buy it just to get the person out of your house (laughs) (laughs) well dan that's how things used to be i get it i've been in this business long enough and i saw that but so i like to approach the prospect of life insurance from a financial planning point of view. And I, and I think we're, what I'd like people to consider as they're going out when they're thinking about life insurance is you don't have to start the conversation knowing a whole lot of anything. It's really, if you're looking at life insurance, it should really be a, an objective-based decision. In other words, have common-sense conversations like, okay, if I'm going to buy life insurance, what is my intention? What, am I, what problem am I trying to solve or what risk am I trying to either eliminate or minimize? For instance, if you're a young family and you are in a dual income scenario and you're both very interdependent on each other's income, then you should be considering life insurance because you may need that additional cash in the house to help raise those kids. Okay, but that doesn't mean you have to buy these expensive policies and put all your money into it because many times when people are buying life insurance, those life insurance dollars are competing for savings dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, that might, that might mean the decision of do I put money into my 401k or savings or do I buy life insurance policy? So many, so that's where I start conversations, especially if they're a younger couple and says, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the resources? that you have available to commit to solving this concern that you have. Um, And then from there, only then should you have a conversation about what's the most appropriate product for you at that point in time. It should never start with a product conversation first. That's the wrong approach to take. Those were the old days, Dan. 
Well, let me feed that back to you. And basically what you're saying is that uh, if you are someone that is starting a family and you want to ensure that these people will be well taken care of, in fact, if you would happen to pass away or your spouse would happen to pass away, then that's a need, isn't it? Then you go back and you say, yep, uh, that's why I need life insurance. And you go back because... Um, I'll bet you there's a lot of people in the audience here that remember the life insurance salesman was really selling you an investment product, something that would um, be eventually paid up and uh, it would give you some kind of a retirement. But we've long learned that that's probably not the most appropriate way to invest for the future. I was around for those days, so I vividly remember those days. So here's my answer to that and what I would say to my clients and what I've said to my clients through the years. No matter what investment features may be on a life insurance policy, remember, first and foremost, you're buying life insurance for a specific need and a specific purpose. If it has investment components that might enhance the return, that's a different conversation. But don't lose perspective that it's life insurance first. And the return you're really going to get over time, you have to be reasonable to expect. So you shouldn't be buying life insurance as an investment. Your life insurance should be a cornerstone to what your financial plan is. Mm-hmm. So then you have to what uh, calculate how much life insurance you need, right? So what what are the things that goes into that that calculation? Again, this is Dan. I say let's have a very common sense conversation. So if you're now use the young couple example again, and then I'll get to an example of somebody in their fifties in need of life insurance and why they would. But if you're a young couple and you have young children. And you, you have to look at if something happened to one of the spouses, and in today's world, we're in a world where I'm finding more equal income. So we have to look at if we're going to lose that income, how much of that income do we really need to replace? Okay. So let's say they're making, I'll make my numbers easy, 30000 a year, and they really need $20,000 a year. And if the kids are young, they're going to need that money until maybe the kids get through college. So you need to say, okay, if I need $20,000 a year, for 20 years, then I need to buy at least a $400,000 policy to cover the income needs mm-hmm. that I'm going to have during that time. Okay. All right. So you look out uh, over the lifetime, and it's not as if the other person's never going to work again, but you need that cushion uh, as if you were going to be uh, without that that money. Um, the, the thing about it is that at that age, uh, you know, between 20 and 30 years of age, it's pretty inexpensive to buy that insurance policy, isn't it? I mean, if you were going to go with a, uh, you know, with a term life insurance policy, they wouldn't charge you too much for that, would they? No, they don't. And uh, let me explain the terms in this business so that people understand. The life insurance business, at its core, is an, actually a very uncreative business that people have tried to make creative. But term policies, what the, ter- me- what the term means is it's insurance designed to be owned for a term of time, whether that's 20 years term or 30 year term. So it pretty much has like a beginning date and an end date. The other product group without going into a lot of details called whole life. And again, that's insurance that was designed to be owned for your whole life. So it has a different method of being paid for. Those are the policies that build up additional cash. Uh, but term policies, especially if you're young, your probability of death is pretty low. And that's what the cost is based on what we call a mortality table, or in other words, how long we expect you to live. And if you're in your 20s and 30s and you're buying a 20-year term policy, the probability that you're going to pass away during that time is pretty low. So the premium is very inexpensive because of that. Got it. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think about that too, um, because there are so many vehicles that you could, buy, well, so many um, uh, instruments you could buy. There's a better word, and uh, I think it, we all became very confused because you know you you talked about whole life to begin with, and then there's this universal whole life and all of this type of thing. Are you kind of saying that those don't really have a place in the plan any longer? That basically you should be looking at this as an insurance plan to insure against the loss of life. Oh, no, they still have a place, but again, it has to be intention. I think if what I would have to say that in many cases, those permanent type of products maybe were oversold, just like there's other products that we've talked about in the past that are well-intentioned products, but they're, they're not used in the most appropriate fashion. Um, so I definitely, definitely believe that cash value-type policies have their place. A lot of people, Dan, really are not good savers. So in many cases, uh, a cash value-based policy, because people will look at their life insurance uh, as a bill. And we're and mm. from a behavioral finance point of view, we're taught growing up, pay our bills, right? right? Right. So we don't look at life insurance as an investment. We look at it as a bill we have to pay. So it creates a discipline, and it allows people to save money, and it allows people to look at that and say, yes, the life insurance is important. It's forcing me to save money, which is going to help when I get to retirement, when I maybe don't need this much life insurance or this type of life insurance to help build up additional nest egg for retirement. Got it. So are, are we really just dealing with uh, two major groups then, term and universal? Term and whole life. Universal life is a subset of the whole life. Okay, term and full, and full life. Uh, does full right. life still have a place in your portfolio then? for uh, That becomes kind of an investment, doesn't it? Uh, it does, uh, and, and we use a lot of those for uh, burial-type scenarios where somebody just says, look, I really just need a $25,000 policy mm-hmm. to cover any estate expenses and my burial expenses. So okay. the whole life product in that group works very well because, again, if you're 60 years old, you know you don't want to start trying to buy term policy at 60 years old to cover your, your uh, funeral expenses because it would be simply cost prohibited by, let's say, by the time you're 80 or 85. Got it. And then uh, what about riders? Because I hear this uh, term used a lot. What, what does that really mean in the simplest terms? Um, additional features you can put on a life insurance policy is the easiest way to describe it. Okay. And uh, I've never been a big, there's been some riders or additional features that I thought were appropriate. But for the most part, Dan, I'm not a fan of riders on life insurance policies because I think you're buying a life insurance policy for a specific reason and a specific purpose. When you add on, and there's the most popular rider through the years, it was called accidental death and dismemberment, okay? Which to me was always a crazy rider because my philosophy always was, Buy the amount of insurance that you need, and don't worry about how you die. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you, if you have to add this rider on, and you <laughs> have to die in a very specific fashion, you know, it, and from a practical point of view, just no, look that, at your yeah, own life. That, how many people do you know have died by an accident? Yeah, I mean that that's a wise counsel. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, uh, well, you're you're you shouldn't be gambling out there, and you say, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to double this if I happen to get in an automobile accident. But you're basically saying, you know, if you want that kind of money, go ahead and insure for it, right? That's right. Yeah, that's, 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 why, that, that's why we started this whole conversation. I said, you got to start with having a practical conversation right. of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And I think that in so many cases, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it, is I don't see that happening a lot today. And I think when we have a practical conversation with people, number one, it disarms them. 
because now they're 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 free to say here's what I'm thinking in common sense terms without having to know the insurance business. You know, it's amazing that um, this council is here now. And, you know, I don't remember any conversations like this when I was, uh, you know, just back from the military and starting my career. You you really didn't know what you were doing with this insurance. You know that there was some kind of a pain-in-the-neck guy that sold insurance in your town. Nice guy, but you really, uh, people said you needed it. And uh, you were kind of saving for the future. But uh, you just put it so simply out there. It's basically, you know, figure out what you need and what you're insuring and go from there. So uh, what about the shopping process for this? I know that your company, Jim Young Wealth Advisors, you know, Stephen, and you, you, you guys sell insurance. But uh, what about, we hear all these ads about, uh, you know, you go and we'll give you the lowest prices here. Uh, the shopping around part, what, what, what's the story on that? What we try to do, so I'll give you our answer to that. The, the, the life insurance companies we represent are top quartile life insurance companies. We don't try to drive to the cheapest company because our philosophy is we want that company to be financially stable. So when there's a claim, we want them to have the resources to pay the claim. So driving to the company with the lows, and because I've been around this business a long time, and a lot of those companies that were selling you the super inexpensive life insurance mm-hmm. are now owned by are now owned by other companies because they weren't pricing their product correctly. So right. we look at we look at the financial rating of the company, and that there's a the financial rating comes from a company called AM Best, which does the financial analysis on companies, and that's like the gold standard to judge any insurance company on. So we look for A or above rated companies. That's a key to us. We look for companies that are in the top 25% in terms of their pricing and performance. Because, again, we want them to be around to pay a claim. So, no, we're not driving to that lowest number because we've seen too many ugly stories by having that con- watching those companies do that sort of thing. And I'm just going to guess that most of the companies out there that would be household names may not be the best companies, right? Because you go back and you say, well, you know, the, things have changed and they may not be the solid company they once were. For many years, Dan, they weren't the best products on the market. Yeah. They were just massive marketing machines. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm going to compress here a little bit. Um, how about uh, how you should pay for this? Monthly, weekly, um, annually? What's the best way to pay for insurance? My opinion is, is just monthly have it automatically deducted out of your checking account because it's easier to budget that way because people live month to month. They don't live year to year or six months to six months. So I find that when you pay a bill quarterly or six months or on an annual basis, uh, that just puts a, a hardship on the month that particular payments do. Mm-hmm. So look at it like a utility bill. Plug it in, ACH it every month out of your account. That way it's electronic. You're not thinking about it. You've covered your need. That's one less thing you have to worry about. Got it. And then, and then share this information with your family members, too, right? Uh, I'm a big advocate of that. In fact, I do that a lot with my clients, especially as they age. I'm having more and more family meetings because everybody needs to know what's going on. Because And this came from the Depression era where people didn't talk about money. Uh, and I'm the opposite. I think you should be talking to your kids about your plans or your beneficiaries about your plans. People need to know you bought this stuff, and, and you can't make them be an inspector after you've passed away to figure out what you've done. All right, very good. It's unusual we're talking about insurance because typically we're talking about investments. And uh, talk a little bit about what you do on the wealth advisor side, Leo, and, and, and the insurance. Sure. I know, I know. Steve, let's, let's mention Stephen is uh, your insurance uh, key guy. Let's mention him first, right? 
Yeah, him and Leo. Yeah, Steve's Steve's with me on the wealth management, and Leo is, uh, yep. like I told you, he got p- promoted in the family business. He got more responsibilities and not getting paid for it. Yep, yep. That, that, that's, what, that's what happened. So, uh, well, we are a family business, doing business with individuals and families that need comprehensive risk management for their wealth and their assets. Uh, on the wealth side, we work with a select group of individuals and business owners that aspire for a work-optional lifestyle, and we've built systems and processes to help achieve those goals. Excellent. All right. And you can search for Jim Young Wealth Advisors, and you'll find them near Tippecanoe, just off 224 in Boardman, Canfield area. And uh, they'll help you out with your long-term goals. Um, what happened yesterday? Now, I know the S&P has had a record this year, and um, in the last five months, it has just really gone. We've recovered everything. But yesterday, we had a little pullback in the Dow. What happened? Do you know? I think it's a very healthy pullback. We've just been running too hot, in my opinion, Dan. So I see days like yesterday, and I'm actually relieved by them because when we have too many up days in a row, we start to forget about the risk that's in the market. We forget about the risk of the downside, and we, we have to have this helps bring us back to some perspective of we still have to balance the, the trading and the growth in the market. Not every day is going to be a good day, and yesterday's a reminder of that. Okay. But on the other hand, um, I believe the NASDAQ had a good day, didn't it? It did, but the tech stocks are driving the story, so keep digging deeper. You know, and I'm, I'm watching some of these tech stocks, and I, I'm, you know me, Dan, I'm a skeptic. I'm watching because they have to make sure that they continue to earn it. But also, the other issue going on is individual investors are back in a big, big way in the last several months. And I think this is a product of the pandemic. People are home. They have more time on their hands. And I think... As an employer, the research that we used to see years ago that even though people were working an eight-hour day, the actual work that they did comprised five and a half hours. So people will work up to eight hours even if there's five and a half hours worth of work to do. Well, now that they're at home, I think they have more free time. So we're seeing more individual investors in the market, which is surprising me. But they're also driving a lot of these key tech stocks, which is driving the NASDAQ. Okay, and the Nasdaq continues to go up, and I, I just I, I don't know if you saw the video or not, but Amazon yesterday they were approved by the Federal Aviation Administration to deliver packages via drone. I did see that. That's wild. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wonder when we're going to see them in our neighborhood. But they said this a couple of years ago, Dan. They were going to do this, and when they said they were going to do it a couple of years ago, I'm wondering how the heck they're going to do it. Well, it's a couple of years later, and a couple more years of research. So I'll be curious to see what happens and how they do. Can you imagine hundreds or thousands of drones flying around in the air? I mean, it sounds like a disaster, doesn't it? I mean, when you think about the, the kind of air traffic that you could have over a metropolitan area. Imagine it like, yeah, right. If you're living in like a New York City and you know, there's 10,000 orders this hour for an Amazon delivery. Hmm, boy. Right. I, I I don't have much confidence in that, but um, Amazon seems to continue to reinvent themselves on a daily basis. They've coming out with a new program today. Um, it's a lower price product, and uh, they just uh, chug along, don't they? I mean, not chug along; they they sprint. They they do, and they continue to change uh, the human behavior on how we buy things. But I wonder at what point we will have that saturation. I mean, we're already yeah. delivering. It went to two days now. Sometimes it's that same day uh, they're doing that. But I don't know. I don't know. How much does, do, do we as humans continue to absorb that change and we, where we get to a point where we're saying we're kind of happy where things are at? Yeah, exactly. You might. You know, I want to go back and go shopping. Well, listen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, if folks want to call you or email you, if you'll give that out real quick, we'll, we'll take off. 
sure, you can call me at 330-533-6936, or you can email me at leo at gemyoung.com. And I know a lot of you aren't sitting around with a pen and paper, so if you search Jem Young, you can get the phone numbers and all that information and some good counsel from Jem uh, Young Wealth Advisors. They're with us every Tuesday morning. Well, Leo, until next week, it's always a pleasure. Be safe, Dan. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Uh, Leo DiPrilli, one of the nice guys in the business out there that uh, can be a friend to you. All right. 70 degrees, 570 WKB.